Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 133. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Hope things are going great where you are. Uh, things are pretty good where I am. It's raining today, but that's okay. Maybe even fitting, because I just got back from a little vacation. Uh, about five days away from home. Um, with whiny kids, and overpriced food, and gift shops, gift shops, gift shops, and long lines, and driving, and... Oh, God, I hate vacation. Just kidding. Uh, we had a good time, uh, but now I'm home, and I'm recording a podcast, which is also a good time. All right. What should we do first? Oh, I know. Gonna prove that the world is flat. In his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. So what's Mad Mike been up to lately? Ooh. Breaking news. Wait, hold on. Two breaking newses. Holy crap, I don't know if I can control myself. I don't remember when we recorded last, or when these... The last episode came out offhand, but on July 31st, Mad Mike posted on his Facebook page, an agreement has been made for a biography, capitalized biography, about the Mad Mike Hughes story. So, is that a biography about the making of a story, or a biography about Mad Mike? The first comment in response to this was, I want this in movie form with Mad Mike being played by either Johnny Depp or Mad Mike himself. There are actually several comments opining that Mad Mike should play himself in a movie. Uh, except for the guy who posted a meme saying, uh, with a flat earth and a cat walking across it, saying, if the earth was flat, cats would have pushed everything off by now. But we're not done. Huh, no, it gets even better. Because on August 3rd, Mad Mike posted, get ready, on Wednesday, which means uh, I'm recording this on the Tuesday. So tomorrow, as I'm recording this, uh, it's already happened by the time you're hearing this. On Wednesday, again, meaning tomorrow as I record this, we're meeting with a toy manufacturer about a Mad Mike stuffed animal that should be available mid-November. The Mad Mike Hughes t-shirts are arriving today. So, no developments on the flat earth front, but the Mad Mike merchandise machine is humming along quite well. Mad Mike actually has the most recent comment on this one, you know that I've gone too far when I start selling Mad Mike bobbleheads. To which someone responded, I'll buy one. And then somebody else responded, you're an idiot. This was followed by a commenter saying, I joined your page because you was launching to see the flat earth. Two question marks. Four months later, all you're doing is selling merchandise. Dot, 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 dot. Space. Let down. Mad Mike has a defense, though. This is a $2 million venture to get 62 miles up. Matt Smith, the original commenter, presumably not the 11th Doctor on Doctor Who, was ready for that. He says, but you said it was happening. Again, two question marks. So what you're saying is you're going to try to sell your merchandise to raise $2 million. Suggestion said, why not a GoFundMe? Mad Mike's like, we are waiting till the movie's been released on the CBS Sunday morning interview with 6 million viewers in the next two to three weeks, which would be a lot of a boost. Much of a boost. Which would help... Man, I can't talk all of a sudden. Which would help boost a GoFundMe. So there you go. There's getting to be some pushback. 
to old Mike for all the merchandising he's doing. Uh, having said that, how adorable would a Mad Mike Hughes flat earth uh, stuffed animal be? I wonder if the stuffed animal would be flat. Like a, a flat Stanley kind of thing, for those of you who have uh, little kids. Or, for that matter, were a little kid and read the flat, Stan uh, flat Stanley books. Hmm. If anyone picks up a Mad Mike stuffed animal, let me know. Because that would be pretty awesome. I may have to pick up one of those myself if and when it comes to life. Having said that, a stuffed animal that actually comes to life would just be creepy. Alright, let, let's land the rocket, as it were, on this week's Mad Mike Hughes update. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. Alright, folks, what else is new? Star Trek Discovery. I've not talked about it much, although I'm guessing there's some crossover between Atari fans and Star Trek fans. The reason I haven't talked about it much is that I haven't watched it. I did watch the premiere, which aired on regular CBS, whenever that was, and I thought it was interesting. I struggled to see how they were portraying what Starfleet and the Enterprise and whatnot look like pre-original series, especially the Klingons. I've heard many people comment on that, the weirdness with the Klingons. It was intriguing. It was not, however, intriguing enough for me to pony up the cash for CBS All Access, which is why I haven't watched it. However, I am starting to reconsider that because now the big Star Trek news is there's going to be a new, another new Star Trek series that goes forward in time from the next generation and will star one Sir Patrick Stewart reprising his role as Jean-Luc Picard. Perhaps one of the best, maybe the best, character ever to come out of Star Trek. Um, which is a bold statement, I realize. But uh, I really, really like that character. And I find Patrick Stewart uh, a charming, uh, fascinating dude. So he's going to be no real details on what this show's going to be, other than it's not going to be a Next Generation reboot. Beyond that, we don't know anything as this recording happens. And I kind of want to watch that show. But you got to pony up for the CBS All Access. So, what's a first-world person to do? Uh, I don't know what I'll do. If and when it happens, or when it happens, I guess we know it is, and if you watch that new Picard show, let me know what I'm missing. Okay, what else? Got a little bit of feedback. My kid Henry, my occasional co-host, has continued his streak of getting more fan mail than I do. Most recently, I had an exchange with the guys at Into the Vertical Blank podcast. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm not even sure how it started. Oh, I think I started it because I commented, I posted something that said, Maureen McCormick, Marsha Brady from the Brady Bunch, just turned 62. And I wanted to let that landmark sort of sink in for people my age and, you know, who grew up watching the Brady Bunch. In fairness to me, I watch it in reruns. But, um, but still, the idea that Marsha Brady's 62 is startling, frankly. So I threw that out there and... I think the Into the Vertical Blank, uh, ver me talk good today, Into the Vertical Blank podcast guys commented that uh, a Brady Bunch podcast would be great. Or maybe I did. I don't know. One of us commented that it would be a good idea and agreed that it would in fact be a good idea. 8-Bit Rocket J. Fulton, Jim Fullerton in other words, uh, sorry, Jeff Fulton, man, I am, I'm just going to pull the plug on this podcast today because I can't do anything. 
Jeff Fulton, 8-Bit Rocket on Twitter, said he would listen to such a podcast as long as Henry guests at least every other episode. I said that would be okay, but the other suggestion we were talking about a Three's Company podcast, which I still want to see happen. Maybe I don't want him to be a co-host on that where I ever did do such a thing. I don't want to explain Three's Company to him. So you see what excitement you're missing if you're not following Atari Bytes on Twitter? On July 30th, out of the blue, Jim Fullerton wrote, uh, repeating an exchange from one of the episodes, uh, where I said, diamonds come from volcanoes. Henry says, yeah. I say, well, how's that work? They just do, huh? Henry says, I don't know how they work. I just know. Jim followed that up by saying, in all caps, Henry is awesome. That is all. Jim then suggested that I offer up Henry for the podcast host host swap. I totally listened to that. No offense to you, but come on, it's Henry. I agree with you. Uh, Henry's pretty awesome. That also was a nice segue. Uh, by the way, thanks, guys. Uh, I totally mangled who said what. But basically, the Into the Vertical Blank podcast guys and Jim Fullerton and Jeff Fulton are all great supporters of the show. And you need to be following them. And you would know all this already if you were following it at Atari Bytes on Twitter. I think I said that already. And now I'm shouting. All right. Well, let's move on before I hurt something. What I started to say was, this is a nice segue into the thing that I've been mentioning lately on the podcast, which is I have this grand idea, which actually isn't mine. I heard another podcaster do it, and I blatantly stole it. Here's the idea. I do an Atari-based podcast here. Uh, Part game review, part making up a story. Some of you out there might also, and I know some of you are, podcasters. But maybe you don't do an Atari podcast or a video game podcast. Maybe you do some other kind of podcast. So here's the idea. You invite me to come on your show, and we can talk about whatever it is you talked about on your show. And in exchange, you can come on this show and talk about Atari games and maybe make up some stories. Um, Maybe you just want to reminisce about your Atari memories as a kid. Maybe you want to make up a story about a game. Maybe you want to make up a story about uh, a girl from Nantucket. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, we'll figure it out. So if that sounds interesting to you, let me know. Okay, well, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is Cosmic Creeps from Telesis, 1982. The manual has a picture of a guy in a spacesuit towing two kids on a rope, which is totally how you tow things in the cold blackness of space. Lasers are blasting all around them, hitting green guys with eyes on, uh, eyes on tentacles on their heads. Blast off! Civilization is doomed unless you can save the cosmic kids. They never really explain why saving the cosmic kids is integral to saving the uh, universe, but okay. You must get your Orbanaut from the planet up to the space station. Then rescue the kids before the planet's orbit decays completely. But watch out! Villainous space skeeters and cosmic creeps are constantly on the attack. To succeed, you'll need every ounce of skill and stamina you possess. And succeed you must. The fate of all kid kind is in your hands. The object of the game, obviously, is to save the cosmic kids from certain destruction and score as many points as possible before the planet falls out of orbit. When it disappears from the screen, your time is up. We're using the joystick for this one. You've got to put in the game to start with, in case you were unclear about that. Difficulty switches have no effect on the game. Cosmic Creeps is played in two parts. The Voyage. First, get an Orbanaut from the planet to the flashing white portals of the space station at the top of the screen. If he collides with red plasma or a space skeeter on his way, he barrels off into space. I would imagine barfing the whole time, because if I spun through space like 
the dude on the screen does, that's what I would be doing. You then must release another Orbanaut, which drops, which drops the planet one notch and hastens its demise. Push the joystick forward to release your first Orbanaut. He heads straight out from the planet, so time his release carefully. Use the joystick to move him up, down, right, and left, avoiding plasma and skeeters. Notice that the planet is falling lower and lower as the play progresses. It will fall a total of 17 notches before it disappears completely. When your Orbanaut enters the space station and disappears from the screen, you gain control of the space station and the second part of the game begins. The rest you. From the lower left corner of your screen, the first of your cosmic kids begins his escape to the space station. On the screen, it just kind of looks like he's floating out in space. But I guess he's escaping? Close on his heels are creeps, who will send your kid back if they catch him. Your job? Bop the creeps back to the planet, allowing your kids to reach the upper right corner of the screen and escape. But be careful not to bop your kids. It's good advice not to bop your kids. Don't let it creep through either, or the game's over. To release a bopper, let's just say that again. To release a bopper, I want a t-shirt that says, I just released a bopper. That would be awesome. To release a bopper, push the red button on the joystick. Moving the joystick left to right will move the space station. After one kid reaches safety or gets bopped, heaven forbid, it actually says in here, heaven forbid, exclamation point. You may release another kid by pushing forward on the joystick. Every time you release a kid, the planet falls another notch. You can never have more than one kid and two creeps on the screen at the same time. Well, if the planet's only falling 17 notches, how many kids can you release before you destroy yourself by letting the planet sink completely? Huh? Huh? I have questions. I'm a podcaster. If the planet sinks off the screen before you reach 5,000 points, the screen flashes and the game is over. If you score over 5,000, you progress to a new planet, a new orbit, and faster-paced voyage and rescue. You earn a thousand points. Sorry, 1,500 points for each kid who escapes safely. You earn 100 points for every creep you bop. A safe voyage. Good luck. You, your orbit, and the cosmic kids are all going to need it. The end. And that is how you play Cosmic Creeps. All right. I don't know how much we've talked about this on the show before, and some of you probably know more history than I do. But I just thought it was interesting that Telesis was built as an Atari 2600 game developer and publisher, released six titles, all in 1982, and then went out of business. Ironically, their slogan was, Fun in Games. I'm thinking maybe their slogan should have been, Make some money making games. They were headquartered in Fremont, California. Richard Taylor was their president. The only catalog from Telesis in 1983 indicated that the company planned to become a, quote, full-line software company. Close quote, releasing games, educational, and productivity software for home computers. The company folded before all that happened. The six games they came out with were Coconuts, Cosmic Creeps, Demolition Herbie, a line coloring game similar to, ugh, similar to Amadar. Longtime listeners of the podcast know that I have big issues with Amadar. Uh, the other games were Fast Food, Ramit, and Star Gunner. Uh, the only ones we've done on the podcast so far are, obviously, Cosmic Creeps and Fast Food. I don't think I've ever played the other ones. Hmm. Unreleased prototypes included Bouncing Baby Bunnies and The Impossible Game. Which seems sort of ironic, doesn't it? What's the marketing for that? This game's impossible! Yes. Yes, it is. But we'll never know, because that was an unreleased prototype. 
unless somebody's gotten their hands on Bouncing Baby Bunnies or The Impossible Game. If you have, as with all things, let me know. Atari HQ wrote in its review is that this game is a relatively simple exercise in joystick control. There are colorful characters, lots of movement, ho-hum sound, and not much here for the very clever, the wildly intense, the rabid games person. But for the moderate game player, Cosmic Creeps isn't too bad. As he's describing uh, the layout of the game, the black backdrop, the long narrow geometric shapes, the red plasma, once in a while the strange and unusual being moves across the open lanes, which are the space skaters. This writer wrote, hey, don't look at me, I didn't write this program. Overall, Cosmic Creeps is a quirky title that's simple and doesn't require much skill or strategy, and it's doubtful that you'll ever take it out of your closet from time to time for a quick battle with the creeps. They give it a 5 for graphics, 5 for sound, 4 for gameplay, overall a score of 4. Alright, well, after the break. Cosmic Creeps can sometimes occur while experiencing being alive. If your Cosmic Creeps last longer than 4 hours, well, guess what? You're a human in the 21st century. Also, sit over there. You're creeping me out. Space dog bug? That sure was close. I hope me and the other cosmic kids can get out of this space station in time. Boy, howdy, that Orbanaut better come for us soon, right, Space Dog Bug? Woof! my Orbanaut. To be honest, oh, I hit some of that red space goo or whatever it's supposed to be. Alright, launching another guy. Oh, man. It's hard to talk and uh, play at the same time. I've mentioned that before. After 133 episodes, still can't do it. Alright, I'm on to the space station. Woohoo! Now the kids are just floating out in space doesn't seem to bother them, but if I hit them with my bopper, sounds naughty, uh, they're dead. Right, space creeps, cosmic creeps, uh, I'm kicking space cosmic butt this time. say, this is a pretty good looking game. The space station looks cool. The creeps are kind of fun looking. Sort of cartoony space alien. Uh, the kids are well rendered. I can tell. Yep, they're human kids. They're Orbanaut? Eh, he's okay, I guess. Doesn't really scream Orbanaut to me, but then I don't really know what an Orbanaut looks like. about to go into retrograde or whatever. So six more weeks of winter and uh, I shouldn't date any Scorpios. Uh-oh. I'm not exactly sure how you finished the game. Maybe I should have 
read the manual a little closer before I did this field report. But I am sure how to finish this field report. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Car by Car podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which were mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's X-E-G-S, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. So here's the thing about Cosmic Creeps. I think a little kid would like this game quite a bit. I like the look of the game. In fact, when I put it in for the first time, I was kind of like, whoa, this looks kind of cool in a, you know, cartoony sort of way. This could be really fun. And it is kind of fun, but there's there's not much there there. Uh, there's so much potential here that that is unrealized. I think if you could... You know, do the thing where you launch your robot off the planet and you have to guide him up to the space station. If there's a little bit more to that. And then once you got on the space station, if there actually it was actually stuff to do on the space station, that would be cool. Uh, maybe you'd have to fight some Skeeters on the station or something to get to the kids. And release the kids from the, from the ship's brig or something. I don't know. They almost have uh, a pretty cool game here. But all they really got is uh, an okay game to play a few times. Which maybe gives some insight into why they only made six games and then went out of business. Ironically, Fast Food, the only other game on that list of six that I've played, that's a pretty fun game. It doesn't ask a whole lot of you as far as strategy. Uh, you're just gobbling food. But, you know what? It's entertaining for what it is. They're trying to do that again here, but this game sort of begs to be more than it actually is. So that's sort of disappointing. But you know what's not disappointing? This week's story. How's that for confidence? This week's story is titled Blast Off Brats. A precocious cluster of cosmic kids stared out the starboard portal of the space station, squealing as the planet's orbit continued to decay. The only kid not squealing was Liam, who was quietly bonking into a corner of the bulkhead because his space helmet was on backwards and no one was bothering to help him. These kids were, preco- were precocious, but that doesn't mean they were nice. Boy, I hope the Orbanaut gets here soon, Evie said, or we'll be space dust. Actually, Poindexter said, when the planet's orbit decays completely, the station will fly off into space where life support will eventually fail, and that's how we'll die. Also, space dust is just regular dust, only it's in space. Stop space splaining things to me, Poindexter, Evie said, or I'll open up your airlock with my fist. Now, now, the slightly older cosmic kid Hannah said through a mouthful of space braces. Settle down, children. Children, you're only like a year older, Poindexter said. But it's a space year, Hannah said, walking away. As she passed Liam, she hopefully turned him away from the corner so he could stumble around the station. His muffled pleas for help unanswered. Hey, Emilio said. Is that the Orbanaut? Emilio tapped the reinforced glass, leaving fingerprints. Rosie the robot maid was going to be so P.O.'d. Yay, we're saved, Evie shouted. Evie always shouted. She spent a lot of time locked in the airlock. Oh no, Emilio said. A space skeeter is attacking the Orbanaut. Quick, 
Hannah said, Where's our space fly swatter? Liam tried to tell her, but no one could understand him on account of the helmet situation. I disabled it to make room for my space smoothie mixer, Poindexter said. Everyone stared at him. You all liked my strawberry smoothies, Poindexter said defensively. It's okay, Emilio reported. The Orbanaut got the Skeeter, but now he's being attacked by red plasma. Uh, I think that might be strawberry smoothie, Hannah said. Poindexter smiled proudly. Emilio jumped up and down. The Orbanaut is almost here, he said. The planet sank again. The space station shuddered. And just in time, I'd say, Evie said. Or really shouted. The Orbanaut docked with the space station and all the cosmic kits climbed aboard. It was a gentle trip home. The plasma and space skeeters missed their mark. As the Orbanaut returned to the station for one last look around, giggling could be heard mingling with the rumbling of the bulkheads buckling as the planet's orbit shrank even further. In the space station video game room, amongst a pile of peanut butter cup wrappers and cola cups, Romulus and Remus cackled at a view screen. Hit him with the plasma, Remus, Romulus said through a mouthful of port rinds. Port rinds. The Orbanaut shuddered, so did the space station. This VR kicks ass, Romulus said. Deploying space skeeter. The two howled when the Orbanaut's atoms were scattered all over the galaxy. But then Liam, still blind from the backwards helmet and left behind by the Orbanaut when he couldn't see to get out of the broom closet, stumbled into the video game room and fell across the double R's computer console. A barrage of space skeeters bombarded the space station. The disruption was enough to tilt the station on its axis. The boys looked at each other. Um, that's not VR, is it? Romulus said. Whoops, Remus said. Can we email customer service? Romulus looked out the port window. Uh, I don't think so. And then the planet exploded. Liam's helmet flew off as the space station was propelled out into the expanse of the cosmos. Been trying to tell you that for hours, he said. And that's why you should always help people in distress, kids. And stay off the virtual reality. Or something. The end. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Pinball Spring, and Take a Chance. And thanks also to Mike Mann for his Mad Mike Hughes update jingle. Show notes are available at ataribytes.libsyn.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter, which I've suggested many times already, at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And also remember that occasionally, although not so much lately, I'll have to get better about that, uh, Atari Bytes does post some weirdness on Instagram, and you should go check that out as well. Listen to Atari Bytes wherever fine podcasts are sold, distributed, or foisted upon you, like so many swaths of red plasma. But remember, at some point, to skeeter on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a stellar review of this show right there. Also, you can support the show financially on our Patreon page, which you should do. And, although I keep saying that the Zazzle.com store, uh, Atari Byte store, is going to go down, uh, it hasn't yet. It's still there. So if you'd like to get some mugs or shirts and whatnot, let's say go play some old games they've missed you, you can do that at Zazzle.com. Links to all of this stuff in the show notes. 
Also, remember, if you have time, and if you have ever liked Snoopy, Charlie Brown, Linus, the whole Peanuts gang, or know someone who does, check out It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month, and we cover every darn thing you can think of in the Peanuts universe. TV shows, movies, the comic strip, obviously, comic books, merchandise, books about Peanuts, books about Schultz, the very mind of Schultz himself, that being the cartoonist who created Peanuts. You know you love these guys. You know you know people who love these characters. Go listen to this podcast. Can I be begging any more than that? You won't be sorry, I promise. All right, next time on Atari Bytes, we're continuing with the cosmic theme because we're playing, get ready, Buck Rogers. Oh, yeah. I have to start practicing my Tweaky voice. Tweaky, right? Tweak, the little robot dude? Tweaky? Twiggy? Twinky? I don't know. I'll have to research that. I got a whole week to do it. Not a problem. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.